Hi, I'm Frankie Frayne, and I've been making movies since I was a kid. I've made three low-budget feature films of varying success, and I went to film school. Twice. For better or worse, I've developed a science for completing feature-length projects on pocket change, and it has a lot to do with the kinds of conversations you'll hear on this podcast with teachers, friends, and artists. You don't have to pay 40 grand a year for bad advice. This is Discount Film School. Hey, welcome back. I'm sitting down with Ronnie Carlson, um, who I met through, uh, he owns a film review website called filmbizarro.com, um, in which I, I believe chiefly you review horror films. Yeah. Uh, yeah, mostly, mostly. And, uh, you're, you're Swedish born and raised, uh, Swedish filmmaker. Oh yeah. I'm a Viking. <laughs> you're a Viking. Um, yeah, you reviewed Sexually Frank for us, which was really kind of you. You actually reached out to us, if I remember correctly. Yeah, uh, this year especially, I've been trying to like go beyond horror. I mean, we've always done uh, all sort of, sort of sorts of movies, but it's mainly been horror. But this year, I tried going through festival uh, movies and see which one were actually interesting, no matter if they were horror or comedy or drama. And Sexually Frank seemed to be like my cup of when it comes to comedy <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. um <laughs> you might be surprised to hear it's mine as well <laughs> Actually, oh took, yeah it, it took me a while to uh my, my first two features were um the the comedy was extremely different it wasn't as real world it was a lot more much more out there and and i think with age actually came that that more toned down um you know hu- human comedy that you see in that movie but that was very kind of you to to take the time to review that for us. Um, yeah, no problem. And then, of course, I discovered that you're a filmmaker yourself, which is sometimes the case with these film review sites, but but not always. Yeah, that's uh, <clears throat> that's kind of weird because if I hate a movie, people can look at my moves and say, "Well, your moves are worse." <laughs> so it's uh, but that has never happened because my moves obviously better. <laughs> um, no, but really. Uh, I'm not afraid to say that my movies might be worse, but I have to separate myself being a filmmaker and reviewer. Uh, yeah, so I, I try not to not to listen to that. <laughs> I never even thought of that. That that that's a, that's kind of a horrifying proposition of like you you could always uh, they could always turn right around and point the finger back. Um, yeah, exactly. Not, not not that that's really valid though, is it? I mean, you know, if <laughs> you could make the biggest piece of dog shit on the planet, but still find Star Wars Episode One to be an unacceptable piece of cinema (laughs) oh yeah 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 exactly (laughs) it's not like it's not like you have to make good stuff to know good stuff yeah exactly i actually read a book recently i don't know what where the fuck it is right now but it's called save the cat uh it's about screenwriting uh and while i was reading it i decided to look up the author and see what what kind of movies he made and he made basically nothing and the stuff he made seemed like shit (laughs) yeah so I actually, uh, James Gunn has this website where people can ask him stuff, and that's where I originally find, found the book. So I went there and, and said to him, like, um, I don't know exactly what I said, but basically, uh, what do you think about someone like him who hasn't made a single good movie, <laughs> uh, writing a book about it, uh, how to write movies? And uh, basically what he said is the same way that I feel about reviewing and just because he doesn't know how to make a good movie doesn't know doesn't mean he's a bad teacher and mm-hmm. that's exactly right yeah i think the best way to put it is you know you you uh you can know how to get to a destination without necessarily knowing how to drive yeah exactly <laughs> you, you you don't need to know the mechanics of something to know what it should be yeah yeah that's a good good way to put it um so that's awesome so uh you big fan of james gunn Oh yeah, I am. Uh, well, maybe not Scooby Doo that much, but uh, or Dawn of the Dead remake because it's. Uh, oh really? Remake. You don't you don't like that Dawn of the Dead remake? No, I think mostly because Zack Snyder. I don't really appreciate his stuff. Uh, yeah. If James Gunn would have directed it himself, I think it would be more fun because Slither is really fun. Yeah, I think Slither is a masterpiece. Yeah, uh, super. Especially, I think it's the best movie he has done so far. Yes, it, it it's amazing. I, I heard that it was a nightmare for him to get that movie made. Yeah, um, it was a really strange process. He wrote it back in 2002, so people who say that Kick-Ass was first, they are definitely wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I I was introduced to James Gunn uh, way back when I was, you know, at my youngest in filmmaking, when I first picked up the Lloyd Kaufman book, uh, 
uh, everything I need to know about filmmaking I learned from the, the Toxic Avenger because James Gunn oh, yeah. he he co sort of co wrote that with Lloyd because they had just done Romeo and Juliet together. Yeah, exactly. And um, and I was like, I don't know what a James Gunn is, but uh, it sounds like he might be doing well. And this was, I mean, this was like two thousand, so um, this was maybe right during Scooby Doo and uh, way before he would become a director himself. The irony, of course, being that years later. The poor, the poor guy between Kickass and everything else, always being accused of ripping things off when he didn't. But uh, I made a movie about a half man, half ape. Oh yeah, Humanzy. You're gonna talk about Humanzy. He, 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 <laughs> he made uh, Humanzy, which was, uh, uh, I believe, it was an Xbox Live. Um, yeah, but it was too gruesome, so they didn't want it anymore. I think. Oh, was that or what was it? The, or was it the other way around? He made like a superhero, Sparky, and something. I don't know which one of those, but one of them got banned. Uh, well, he, he um, <laughs> I didn't like reach out to him or anything. It's just it, on on his uh, trailer, a bunch of people. I don't know who. I don't know who saw my movie, but they kept they 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 kind of spammed the comments on his YouTube trailer for Human Z going. Frankie Frayne already did this with Abo the Hugh Monkey. This is already done with Abo the Hugh Monkey. It was at Trauma <laughs> yeah. Dance. How do you not know what's at Trauma Dance? And um, <laughs> and then I, I think I left a comment on it that just said something like girls girls don't fight over us or something like that and um and then he was like oh that's the guy and he reached out to me and wrote me this big letter that was like um you know some ideas are universal and while your film might be a gruesome horror movie mine is actually a a, a parody of uh sitcoms and i was like actually so is mine that's the weird part (laughs) yeah (laughs) um and but ultimately um my response was was as simple as dude Whatever you made, I haven't seen it yet. I'm sure it's better than what I made. I'm a huge fan. All I like the, for me, the the biggest dream would be for you to just watch my movie. If you could just watch it, that would be like huge. I don't give a fuck. I, I wasn't going to say anything. And he was like, well, I'd like to watch it, but I, I really shouldn't. Otherwise, people really then they really can uh, accuse me of ripping you off. So thanks for the memories. But yeah, we had a little correspondence once and it was somewhat negative, which sucks because I love him. <laughs> yeah, but apparently he did uh, something similar with a comedy or a romantic comedy he wrote and there was a huge thing with him apparently ripping someone off, they said, but it was, uh, it was like a New Year's romantic comedy. Who hasn't thought of that if they are in the field? <laughs> Somebody should have been like, you ripped off that Scooby-Doo idea. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, you ripped off Marvel. You made Super. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> so uh, let's get back to you. Um, yeah, sure. <laughs> so so uh, with most of these podcasts, we do kind of the person's origin story. Um, yeah, yeah. And you actually, I, you've been listening to this podcast right along. Yeah, currently it's the, my favorite podcast. It's the only one that I have to listen to straight away when it's out. Oh, thank you so much. That, that means yeah, a lot. It's, it's a lot of fun. Um. So, what age do you uh, do you start tinkering? Do you love movies growing up? Oh yeah, uh, I was five years old when I started watching horror movies. My mom made a huge mistake. Uh, she thought that uh, Stephen King's uh, Silver Bullet was going to be appropriate for me uh, and my brother uh, because it was on TV one hour earlier than most movies horror movies are. <laughs> so she thought, well, that can't be too bad. And then we had nightmares for a couple of weeks. And then I was fascinated by horror and. That's where it started. So that's late 80s, early 90s in, in Sweden? Uh, yeah, early 90s. Uh, I'm from born 1988, so around 93. Yeah. We're, we're around the same age. Because um, I'm, I'm wondering if, um, you know, I know in the UK around, well, actually it was earlier, but they went through, they, they have different, every country seems to have a different, you know, set of censorship. Um, yeah. And when... Like in Sweden, is the film market mostly run by the government? Yeah, we don't really have much. Like uh, currently, I think uh, in the last couple of years, a lot of cinemas have gone down, and it's basically only the major uh, company that runs all of them. Um, I think in my where I live right now, which is a lot, a lot bigger, but still smaller uh, than most cities, but it's a lot bigger than where I grew up, and we have one cinema. Uh, which is basically the the main one. And then we have like one in the library, which shows slightly more weird stuff, like the Cronenberg's latest movie and stuff. But mm. basically it seems to be very uh, government run. Business. Yeah. I'm just, I'm wondering if it was hard to get your hands on uh, the really nitty gritty horror stuff at that time. 
Um, it was probably, I was probably late, so for me it was got pretty easy. Uh, I mean, I didn't have internet and stuff like that, so I couldn't really, well, it that wasn't, didn't exist then. Um, yeah. Does that change the whole game? Oh yeah, it did. That changed it majorly. I mean, I had seen some it- Italian movies and stuff like that before, but that really gave it a new standard. Uh, but basically, when I grew up, I think the whole um, panic had to settle down. Uh, horror movies were on TV, no problem. Maybe some of them might have been slightly cut or something. And I know a lot of the VHS tapes I bought growing up were cut releases and stuff. But uh, it's pr- been pretty good since the 90s. Uh, although now we seem to have some panic again. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think the Swedes have kind of a, a better stomach for it than, than Americans? Because, well, I mean, then again, I, I say that, and yet Hostel was number one of the box office over here. And, I mean, we obviously have grown a stomach for it, but all growing up, it was like, I don't know. I, 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 also, I live on the East Coast of the United States, so I live where the Puritans settled. So I'm yeah. really in the center of, like, you know, puritanical, um, you know, anti-sex, anti-violence. Yeah, well... Well, I think Saw and Hostel and stuff changed the game for everyone uh, worldwide. Uh, but then we have, uh, like, Sweden had in the 60s, 70s and all that, the uh, really erotic movies where everything had to, you needed to be nude in the movie if you were to make a movie. That's basically how it seemed to be. Uh, people had grown tired of Bergman, I suppose. Uh, everyone wanted sex, and that's where, like, the Swedish sin came from. Yeah. So we have definitely had, like, controversial stuff early on uh, but then around the 80s around the same time as the video nasty area and stuff I probably right. uh, died down a little bit that, that, that's exactly what I was thinking of was the, the video nasties um, so is there a, as, as you start to discover horror movie after horror movie is there one that you go that kind of uh, is the key in where you're like oh if that's a movie then maybe I can pick up a camera is there something <laughs> like that well uh there are a lot of movies like that, but I was actually really, really late in actually wanting to make movies. The first movie, uh, well, I say movie, but it's something, uh, that had a, like a coherent uh, story and stuff and was 20, 25 minutes long. I made that when I was 18, and I'm 24 now, so it's I was very late. But, uh, you know, Trauma, of course, uh, was always there in the beginning. Uh, Cannibal the Musical is probably the reason I... Uh, uh, eventually started to making funny movies, which is where I started with, but then I made three funny movies and realized that I'm not funny anymore, so <laughs> just, just do something else. I'm guessing that you, you've listened to the episodes where I've said the exact same thing, right? About trauma and cannibal. Yeah, I wasn't sure if I was going to make up a different story just because I want to be original, but no, <laughs> well, I, I, it's, I, it's basically trauma and similar. I love that... Um, you know, that, that two dudes on opposite ends of the world had the same experience. I think that's really interesting. Yeah, yeah, really. <laughs> um, did I, did I, I don't know if I've mentioned on any of the episodes. Well, I think one of them. Yeah, we went out to Niagara Falls um, to shoot a documentary on Lloyd. Um, oh, yeah, part two you did. Yeah, did that, yeah, right. During the um, uh, class of Newcomb High, uh, the return to class of Newcomb High. Yeah. And, um, one thing I don't, I don't know if I mentioned there was the amount of international um, volunteers. I mean, the, the people from Iceland, um, from Brazil, from Portugal, from all over the world showing up like with a bag, being like, yeah, whatever, whatever you want, crazy. Lloyd. I mean, it's a it's a really good thing that he doesn't use his power to like make kids like kill themselves and stuff because <laughs> he could, totally could. They would do it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, I can see him, like, doing what Gigi Allen did in music in the 90s, like, shitting on stage and then yeah. telling people to kill themselves. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he could do that and people would do it. <laughs> but they, uh, it, it's really um, heartwarming to see because despite how I'm sure, like, they're, these kids' parents are like, oh, please don't follow Uncle Lloydie to the end of the earth. Um, yeah. They really do develop over the course of those you know, three months that they shoot, they really do develop a set of skills that um, that film school may or may not have given them. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I think, you know, I, I haven't really gone to film school or been on any major uh, productions, but I can imagine, you know, traumas, even if they're not, like, uh, typical filmmaking, they have been going at it for many, many years, and 
in the at the end of the day, filmmaking is filmmaking. You have right. to make sound. You know, you need to film. You need to have like a producer. So in that sense, I can imagine it's being pretty much as any other filmmaking. Yeah, and, and and their films demand um, dangerous spe- dangerous stunts. Um, so that requires some level of safety, requires uh, prosthetics and special effects makeup, um, yeah. and a lot of practical visual effects. Um, not all of them look the best, but they, you know, they're getting better and better. They kind of had this um, this workshop area in their the abandoned funeral home that they were all sleeping in, and um, yeah. there were there were some people who went to school for it. There were a lot of people who didn't. Um, they were all teaching one another, and they had an amazing amount of patience for one another. I, I think all of those documentaries they've published in the past make it look like it's this chaotic set um, where people are at each other's throats. And there is some of that, and they try to capture that when it happens to make the documentary more interesting. But realistically, yeah. I, to me, the real story there is here's a bunch of people who don't get paid. Look at the amazing experience they're having and look at the like they are going to walk away with with a, a certain set of skills. Um, and I think there is a reason that like when you talk around to, you know, Tarantino, Kevin Smith, Rodriguez, like these are all trauma fans. Oh, yeah. You know, this this uh, this kind of like uh, pull up your sleeves filmmaking is really appealing, especially at a young age. I think it's something that eventually it's a I think trauma is a gateway. It's kind of the marijuana <laughs> that, yeah, yeah, exactly. That gets you to, um, you know, to a lot of other kinds of films, but uh, so so I think you grow out of it to some extent. But yeah, to me, super important when I was fifteen, sixteen. Well, yeah, definitely. I mean, I still watch trauma movies, but now I realize that they are bad. Back then, I didn't really didn't really matter. Yeah, it doesn't. It, <laughs> it, it, like, it doesn't matter. This is crazy. I need to see this. <laughs> it's kind of like when you're when you're like five years old and you have a video a video game, and it sucks. But you don't yeah. know you don't know that it sucks. You think that it's just hard. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. Thinking so, back to like uh, Nintendo and stuff, there's way too many hard games. <laughs> right, right. But realistically, they're just awfully designed and needed to be a little easier and a little more, a little less challenging. So, um, yeah. so tr- uh, Trauma and Cannibal. That's during high school. Oh god, I'm always having problems with uh, high school and stuff uh, because we don't really call it the same in Sweden. So I'm no. just gonna say. Uh, it started probably in sixth, like sixth, sixth grade or something with trauma. Okay. Uh, so it was fairly early. I could have been even earlier, I suppose. But uh, um, yeah, it was trauma. But there was way many horror movies before that and uh, after. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But that they were the ones who who made you want to pick up or made you want to start to consider picking up a camera. Yeah, except many years later, I didn't. I, I grew up pretty poor, so mm. not like I didn't live on the street or anything, but it was fairly poor. So I didn't really ever think about I can make a movie because I didn't have anything to do it with. So early on, it was basically like I love movies and this trauma company are making weird movies. So I'm going to watch them for a while. And um, like many years later, when I finally got my hands on something to make a movie with which was just one of those system cameras i started to doing random shit like me walking on the street with a banana shooting at a bottle stuff like that which didn't make sense um so filmmaking was really late but the prepare preparation for it was many years uh, and i think the final step was that i went back to trauma basically and i wanted to do what like rednik zombies or campbell musical and stuff like that yeah uh, well, I've seen some of your work now. You you sent me a little bit of it, and um, it's it's got a, uh, a an aesthetic I would say that's altogether different uh, than anything that you're saying inspired you. It's very, it's very quiet, uh, very deliberate visuals. Um, yeah. And and you're you're obviously do you shoot your own stuff or you're your own DP? Uh, not the ones that I sent to you because uh, I I've never really been able to shoot well so the movies that i shoot myself are with a really shitty camera you can compare it to webcam quality almost uh because then it doesn't matter it's just right. blurry and shitty anyway uh, and those movies are usually more chaotic and even more strange uh, but these ones that i sent to you uh like uh, many years ago i got a friend a female friend and a few years later her uh, she got a boyfriend who uh, was good at it so i figured well i can borrow your camera or I could tell you to shoot this movie for me, and we'll see how it works. And that's the one you watched, uh, Recompense. Yeah, uh, I, I, um, well, I just thought that it, that visually it was really gorgeous. Um, 
thank it, you. It had a really um, I mean, it has this kind of pastel, um, discolored, but but still, there's this kind of beauty to it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it really didn't remind me of. I mean, it wasn't schlocky at all. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, there's there's gore and nudity in there, but that's uh, uh, for different reasons. But before I made like fairly artistic movies, uh, I made like I started with a short film called Return of the Gore Munching Zombosoid Candle from Space, um, <laughs> and I made it, uh, which made me realize about the last episode. I think you guys made a uh, Christmas short or something. Yeah. Once. How Hitler uh, And recently, I talked to my DP, and we and he made one. So I think everyone at some point make a Christmas short, and so did I. I made Christmas uh, Holocaust, the Holy Night Massacre, and it's just just shitty. <laughs> yeah. So I did that kind of movies before. I did these uh, like semi art house movies. I never thought about that before. That there's there's something that makes you want to, and you know the, the South Park guys did Spirit of Christmas. There's something about doing a Christmas, your own little Christmas special that's very appealing. I think maybe what it is is that um, you grow up loving Christmas, but, yeah. <laughs> but you but you see through the corniness of it, and you, you want to make something that's kind of twisted and funny, something that subverts, because you love it and you want to pay a little homage to it, but you want to you really subvert it and be like, well, what if... What if we fucked up the meaning of the season altogether? And you know, the, the, I, I just yeah. think it's it's kind of like really ripe uh, ground for for comedy. Oh yeah, definitely is. I think maybe like all these Christmas specials in TV shows might be part of it as well because almost every show has Christmas specials and they're usually very different from the rest of the show. So there's always been this kind of thing that everyone wants to make their own Christmas. <laughs> so that movie was that movie a feature. I, sorry that I can't uh, say no. the whole title. Uh, I have made two features, and they are both weird. <laughs> mm. So no, those were around 30 minutes or so. Well, I, I want to talk about that because um, I'm stupid enough to have uh, decided to make features. I remember I, I've i gone over this in previous episodes, but I uh, I wanted my first film to be a feature. I didn't even consider that, like, oh, you got to make a bunch of shorts and work your way up. I was like, well, no. Yeah. And then as soon as like I, I had embarked on it, I was like, I need a little experience. And I kind of would just any opportunity to make a short film that came up, I did. But it was all just training for that one script I had already written. Um, yeah. Because like I said, I mean, every movie I watched was 90 minutes. I want to make a yeah, movie that's 90 true. minutes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so do you you start making short films hoping that someday you'll do a feature or did you kind of have were you like, I'd like to get to features quicker? You know, I probably should have waited a couple more years before I made a feature, but it's like I I always liked short films, uh, like weird artistic short films, but I didn't watch that many comedy shorts. So I think the reason I made them short films was because that's how long my script was, I suppose. Yeah. There was eventually it came to, a, to an end of the script, and that's about 30 minutes in. Yeah. So it just happened to be that way. So then, if that's the case, what made you decide to go with uh, with features? First feature was actually kind of an anthology, so it's basically short films, but it's oh, okay. uh, but they were made for a feature, uh, and they're all part of the same. Because the first feature I made is like basically not a feature because I don't think of it as a movie. It's just this weird thing that like it's semi biographical and it's. Uh, art house horror, experimental horror, and it's anthology. So I just mixed everything in there to annoy people. And uh, that was, I think I realized that it was going to be at least an hour, so I can at least push it to 70 minutes uh, somehow. And so that's basically why I made that into a feature. But Dustbox is the official first feature, uh, if you ask me. And that one, I I didn't want to make another short film. I realized that you're not going to get any attention at all if you make a short film. You have to release it yourself, and it costs a lot, and people don't really want to pay for it. And it's just this long process of not getting anywhere. Well, so so you say, and I, I hear that from a lot of short filmmakers, and, and <clears throat> I don't disbelieve them. They, they're obviously having that experience. But on the other side of the fence, having really only done features, everybody's always like, you know, Frankie, <clears throat> we can't program a feature. That's too long. Uh, you you need to be making ten to twenty minute movies. So realistically, I mean, com- uh, I have to add all this up and go. It's just hard to be successful with your film. 
<laughs> yeah, well, I suppose if you're going to make a feature, you better be good. Uh, I think mm. that's the case. Uh, yeah. If anyone's going to watch a movie for 90 minutes, it's not going to be a waste of time. And that's why like five, 10 minutes short films always work because who doesn't have five, 10 minutes to watch shit? Yeah. It doesn't yeah. matter where it is. <laughs> wow, it's, that's a really good way to put it. I never, it's so fucking obvious. <laughs> I, I never actually thought of it that yeah. way. But I remember, you know, like working on the first movie and realizing like, wow, you know, I'm an amateur. I'm, I'm, I'm trying my hand at this for the first time. I remember being like, fuck it. Like, I don't care if nobody else likes it. I'm going to keep banging on this thing <clears throat> until I like it. And it took me, yeah. si- it took me six years total. And, um, and I, I wouldn't necessarily recommend that to anybody else, but there was something there, were, you know, it was like, if I didn't take that first step, if I didn't complete that movie the way I wanted to complete it at that time, then I don't know that I would have been able to push on to the next one. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's, that's so how did the movie turn out? Are you happy with it now? <clears throat> I look. I mean, I watch it and laugh. Um, there, it, it's very. So it's called "I Need to Lose Ten Pounds." Um, it's a musical, so it's got musical numbers in it uh, about about fat people. It's made yeah. by a bunch of high school kids. But for for a high school effort, um, it's pretty damn good. Tons of locations. Um, the music, while sung horribly, is actually like halfway decently written. Um, <clears throat> a lot of like weird action sets. It's it's almost got like a real Family Guy uh, comedic sense to it, in in the way it darts around. But um, <clears throat> you know there there are some people who are like, you know, I really like that Ten Pounds movie you made, but after that, I didn't really get it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Well, I was watching. Uh... Able since it sent me a link. I only uh, managed to watch 30 minutes earlier today, but I'm going to finish it today and get a review up, I think, tonight. Oh, but so far, it. you know, it's it's fun. I mean, it's weird, um, but it's fun. No one's going to watch that and be annoyed because it's weird. I mean, they're watching Able, the human game. Right. <laughs> so I think... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's <clears throat> that's me in that prosthetic makeup, too, by the way. Oh, is it? Yeah, that's... That, that, that's <laughs> I was wondering who that was. Yeah, there. I, I've I've sat there with people, watched the whole movie, and they were like, "So who'd you get to play Abo?" And I'm like, "That was me, man." Yeah, uh, I was thinking, who, who is like stupid and fat enough to just run around and show his belly and be weird? The director. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> As a matter of fact, that was my whole thing. Was like, um, I don't know that I can trust or ask anyone to do this but me. Yeah, that's kind of my entire filmmaking uh, career, if I can call it that. I, yeah. A lot of movies I make just by myself, and I really shouldn't, but I don't trust anyone in any way, almost. So I, sh- I think I could have gone further than I am right now if I trusted people. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's um, it's a double-edged sword because there's, you know, I think that I've gotten to a point where I trust people creatively. Um, I've I've met people who are more talented than me by by a long shot. I mean, that's not very hard. Um, <laughs> but they've, you know, if you pull those people together and you go. This is your opportunity, you know, to just do whatever you want to do or give them a little freedom. That goes a long way and that makes their unpaid work uh, fulfilling for them. Yeah. If you, um, you know, if you're like, hey, stand exactly here, take the shot. You know, if you, if you, you know, are too specific with your DPs, for instance, or if you don't let the actor try to create the character with you, um, <clears throat> you know, it's really just not going to be a fun experience for them. So, so trust is, is huge. However... Um, who can you really find out there to come along for a ride with you, uh, unpaid, dedicate all kinds of time um, for something that they're not even really necessarily going to be able to take a lot of credit for like you will at the end of it? So <clears throat> I, you know, I've kind of struck this balance where you ask them to do that one thing you need them to do and just focus on that and focus on giving them the most fun experience possible. Um, and that's been working it, you know, a little bit more each movie. We get finally, you know, by the time we get to sexually Frank, everybody involved in that movie was bending over backwards to, to be involved in it. And, um, and I think it was because, yeah, they know me and they knew that I was going to let it be fun and I wasn't going to kind of weigh it down with needless formalities. But I think that it was also because, um, I, I was, you know, sitting on top of two features already. One, as far as, you know, 27 year old Frankie thinks the first one is, kind of kind of close to dog shit and then the second <laughs> the second one was too weird for anyone to get but still it doesn't goddamn matter the the fact is, is i made two features that got complete and had yeah, you finished them and at some point had gotten screened and that that goes a long damn way because suddenly people start to get like 
<clears throat> people will come up to you and say, hey, can can I work on your film instead of you going up to everybody going, can you please work on my movie? Because they know that if they get on that train, it's going to get to its destination. Um, and I, yeah. I think that's 75 percent of it. Yeah, well, I, I think uh, like with the, me doing reviews, I, I see a lot of bad movies, but at least they are finished uh, because yeah. I also see a lot of movies contact me uh, much because I make movies myself. They of, often contact me to tell me that, you know, I'm going to make a movie. And uh, there is really only one thing to tell them. It's like, yeah, finish it. That's all you should do. If yeah. it's it's going to be bad, most likely. But if it's finished, you can do something better. <laughs> so yeah. they have to just do it. Well, I, I think that artists have to delude themselves to a large degree. Um, I think that, that knowing that it's going to be bad, but I have to finish it anyway um is a recipe for disaster because if you because you actually have to be convinced that what you're doing is the most important thing in the world oh yeah absolutely that's that's obviously the first thing to think about but if you're going to go through with it then uh, you have to finish it (laughs) yeah you got to make a little bit of peace with the fact that like completion is more important than quality but um but there's nothing worse than than somebody coming up to you when you're in the middle of working really hard on something and going well it's a good learning experience. <laughs> You'd be like, this. oh yeah, yeah, no, no, I absolutely agree with that. Uh, yeah. I don't tell them that uh, <laughs> that they're gonna make bad movies. Uh, yeah, 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 should never do that. But uh, I do tell them if they are gonna do it, and if they want advice, not that I'm, I should be giving any, but at least I finish what I do, and I think that's that's very important. Yeah, you sell yourself very short. You've made a number of movies at this point, and you you rev- you watch a hell of a lot. Uh, you probably you're in a very good position to give advice. Uh. Yeah, well, I don't know. Uh, I think it's because I haven't really been on any real sets. I haven't really been uh, in school for it or anything. I just watch movies growing up, and then I decided that I'm gonna do everything. I'm gonna, I'm gonna review movies because why not? I'm gonna make movies because why not? And I'm gonna now uh, recently I'm gonna release movies because why not? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, how many um, how many real sets are still gonna exist in ten years, twenty years? You know, it's it, it isn't the process flattening to some degree. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, like with uh, computer stuff and uh, digital and all that. It's I wouldn't be making movies if I couldn't make them digitally. Uh, yeah. But then also, like it's changing a bit too much. I think people don't really care about picking up a camera. They just want to have a good uh, software so they can make fake stuff. <laughs> oh yeah, you know, it, it's um. It's it's definitely gimmicky, but at the same time, uh, and, and and I do think that's destructive. I really do. I don't want to dismiss that, but um, but I think that sometimes that is their way in, where they go, oh well, if I can play with this and I can make this look like this and it looks kind of professional, it's only then after they they stop being fulfilled by that, hopefully that they go, all right, but what am I really doing? What what story do I want to tell? Because when you're 16, you don't have a story to tell. You know, yeah. I made a movie at 25 that I so far is the closest thing to a story that I can tell. And I'm sure that 10 years from now, I'm going like, to be like, wow, what a juvenile um, out, outlook on the world. You know, your, your story is always changing. So let's talk about um, because you really are so much more than a film watcher and a filmmaker. You're also a film reviewer, as we established at the top of the show. Yeah. And um, and upcoming, which I love, love, love that you want to release movies. Um, so talk about the review site. Did that come before you started endeavoring on your own filmmaking? Um, it, it came after I did the, the silly ones, uh, but it came at the same time that I started doing the slightly more artistic experimental movies. So it was basically in the middle of the learning process of the things. Uh, basically started because I found, uh, I found a guy who, uh, knew a lot of, about the same kind of movies that I liked, and uh, he lives in in uh, America. Uh, so we basically just played with the idea, and then it just happened. I mean, the same way that everyone does it now. Uh, maybe too many people do a blog for reviewing now, uh, but I was part of that as well, so I can't complain too much. But basically, it just started. <laughs> yeah. So you you start this blog, and it gets a little bit of traffic. No. Uh, it took a while I think in the beginning we were really focused on having reviews on there before we even launched it Mm. Uh, but then we also became a bit too obsessed with trying to get people there Uh, it probably wasn't until a year later when we stopped caring we just did it so (laughs) 
uh, we just continued uh, doing it. What motivated it? Was it um, an interest in seeing movies that you otherwise wouldn't have seen? Was it an interest in doing some film critique writing? Uh, what was it? I think it was just telling people about movies, but you know, not all of the movies were really obscure, so it was probably a bit about wanting to write about movies as well. Mm. But at the time, I was definitely not uh, qualified to do that, but I did it anyway. Yeah. Well, isn't that like all of our story? <laughs> I'm not yeah, qualified, exactly. but let me give it a shot. Um, so, so at what point does it does it grow a little bit from a blog? Uh, probably around the time that we went, we started on an actual blog at blogspot.com. Uh, but we didn't want to do that. We want to uh, actually have a website. Uh, uh, probably around the same time that we started to get a design for the website and started interviewing people, stuff like that, that it became a bit more serious. Uh, but I still don't really see it as being a serious thing, but uh, I can't stop now. If I if I don't review for a week, I feel like shit. So. Yeah, it's, it, podcasting is sort of the same way for me at this point. Um, it, 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 it feels like you've stopped a good conversation in a, in a kind of a weird way. Yeah. Um, and, and everything you've already built. Um, so at, when, when you first started out, you were kind of like, you would write about things that you saw. Um, did you start to ask people, Hey, submit your films to us. We want to see films and review them. No, that took, took a while. I think we got maybe one or two movies, uh, in the first couple of months because someone found us, I believe. But we didn't really start asking for a while. We we reviewed the movies that we had in our collection or saw somewhere, and just just telling movie, telling people about movies. Whereas you know, sometimes you stumble upon a blog, and you can almost tell that they're doing it because they can get free movies. Because every movie they review is something someone sent to them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but now you review festival films all the time. Do you do you ever see anything that you're like, wow, I really would have missed out on this? Oh yeah, this year especially, because uh, like I said before, uh, this year I went for all categories. So I've been watching some documentaries that just, they were amazing. And uh, they're definitely going to, at least one of them going to make my best of 2012. And uh, it's been such a good year for me that we had to expand the um, uh, the best of list to 30 titles. <laughs> wow, 30 titles. That That's really awesome. Um, it was a good goddamn year, wasn't it? When we went to yeah. Sy- Sydney, there were... There were all kinds of great, uh, great films, and it looks like uh, uh, Calgary Underground wants us to come out in April. So um, I'm not sure what they're going to program, but I, I look forward to checking that out. I, it's it's something I've been telling people, which is there's this interesting phenomenon with festivals that I'm I'm experiencing on this movie, which I didn't experience in the others. I just didn't get into jack shit. Just trauma. <laughs> trauma was the only one that took me. But you, you you submit to you know you you break the bank submitting to 15 different festivals. All of them sixty bucks for submissions, whatever, and um, and they all reject you, except unless one doesn't. And in our case, we were really lucky because the one that accepted us was an international underground festival, and people yeah. and people look at international underground festivals um, because there's kind of a an international circuit of underground festivals, and so they actually those programmers all talk to one another and they go, "Did you screen anything this year that went over well, or did you screen anything that you really liked?" And so I'm getting reached out to by festivals that I didn't even submit to after having been after having been rejected by many, many festivals. So it's kind of a word of mouth um, is a lot more valuable than cold submissions, obviously, as we've as we all know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I wouldn't have found your movie if it wasn't for for that festival, because like like you say, the underground film festivals, they're the first places I go if I want to look for new movies to uh, try and get to uh, review cups of. Yeah. And, um, you know, usually they're all good. Well, maybe not always good, but they're always uh, different and uh, unique experiences. And sure, it's a bit like incest within the festival circuit, but uh, that's how it is everywhere anyway. But yeah, I mean, the pro- the programmers feel an obligation to program you know, they know that people like you and your website are going to be looking at their festivals and they really don't want to let you down in terms of like, you know, did I show something that was a little too normal? Um, yeah. at, at the very least, they're going to show fucked up movies or really out there <laughs> movies. But that was also hard, you know, kind of difficult for Sexually Frank because I don't know that that's that fucked up of a movie. It's it's about a few friends who love each other. Um, it's it's a very sweet movie, actually. Yeah. 
So I, it was it's weird that um we can really only find a home with like the freaks and stuff. But in a way, I think that's really kind of badass <clears throat> that apparently this kind of affection only has a home with weirdness. Yeah, well, it's kind of like uh, like sexually frank. I felt was somewhere like uh, between Kevin Smith and uh, Trey Parker, yeah. also adding a lot more heart and sweetness to it, like making it a nice movie. Like if you watch South Park, you're not gonna th- sure they have weird sentimental moments, but it's it's fucked up. That's why you watch. Yeah. But sexually frank, that it was definitely like a sweet movie, one that I could associate with uh, differently. Yeah, there's a while where I was trying to convince people it was a it was a chick flick, <laughs> but, <laughs> and 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 uh, the first few times I screened it, like at school, um, there were some some women who who were like, "Wow, I did not expect that that's what it was," but that was like they loved the character of Jess. They were like, "I can really, I've never seen a girl like that in movies," and I was like, "I haven't either." That's why I did it because um, my my wife is like that. So yeah, I can relate to the pedophile. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. Obviously, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Uh, actually, I had a bus driver the other day that looked like him. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I was almost gonna get him uh, get an autograph. <laughs> <laughs> Please sign sign this. Sign my yeah. sign my ass. Um, yeah. So anyway, but but uh, and then you know, as the uh, as you grow to love reviewing movies, um, you start to think, hey, I wonder if I could release put some you know put some out. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I put my movies out because I couldn't find distribution for short films so talk, like, talk, talk, about saw, that. talk about that because i really want to know how you did that and, and and i think a lot of other people will too uh well basically what i did was i tried to find the cheapest uh, simplest and most uh, uh well the place where i could make like 100 copies i couldn't really do a thousand i would still have 900 of them left if i did yeah uh, so i just found a place uh, that was relatively cheap and put together a DVD and sent it to them. And, uh, you know, the, the print, it's it's still a DVD-R release, and that's the way I do these releases I do now. Uh, it's DVD-R and very small runs, but they look really good, and it's fun uh, to release your own stuff. But although it's more fun to promote other movies, that's why I started uh, releasing other people's movies as well. well. Why is it more fun? Because it doesn't look as self-servicing? Yeah, and I can't really tell people, buy this, it's a good movie if I made it. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, it's not for you to say, necessarily. Yeah. Um, although we all do have to be our own self-promoters. Uh, you're a man after my own heart. Uh, I'm really glad that you're doing DVD. Um, although I do, I've gotten into the Blu-ray thing as well in a major way. And there's not a lot of biters. <laughs> there's not a lot of people going, yeah, get me a Blu-ray of that. But um, but in, in a weird way, it feels like the best possible time capsule of the movie. You know, if I die in a car crash tomorrow i'm glad that the blu-ray of the movie exists so that you know the whole thing was documented yeah i saw the intro you had for it on youtube yeah, uh, yeah. it's actually way too funny to be an intro <laughs> <laughs> um yeah and yeah you know, we went, I, I i went back and color corrected those movies too which was which was really cool i never never tried that before but man it really made them pop yeah um, it looked good the little bit i saw there yeah yeah um so in any event, so have you put out any movies yet, or are you just kind of getting into this now? Yeah, I did release a weird, like, Russian-French production, which uh, I sh- probably was uh, shouldn't have done. <laughs> I mean, it, that's one that I had to go to the production company, so it wasn't really releasing a f- filmmaker's movie. It was releasing, like, an old, forgotten movie that people should see uh, but it was a DVD to try it out with uh, didn't really have any extra material so I had to pretend I had something uh, but I actually just now uh, released uh, um, a uh, two disc DVD with three movies by a filmmaker called uh, uh, Joseph Larson um, he's a, a very different filmmaker because he he makes uh, features or around an hour movies and then he screens them at a few festivals and then he doesn't do anything with them. He makes another movie and yeah. then he does that and then to the side. Uh, and uh, for some reason, uh, through a, a mutual friend of ours, uh, I was introduced to his stuff and reviewed it and I realized now that I started releasing movies that these movies need to be seen. Uh, even though people expect gory, weird movies from me, these are really slow dramas where... Basically, not a lot happens, but it's 
quite fascinating. And if uh, if I'm the only one who's going to release them, then I'm definitely going to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it sounds like he's um he's a, an artist through and through. Like he's <clears throat> he's great at making them. He'll always be making them, but he never really took the time to get them seen. And that's where you come yeah. in. Exactly. Uh, and you know that's going to be the fun part. If I can find more movies and filmmakers like that who has like movies that they made back in 2005, 2006 that no one has seen, then I want to release that. Yeah. Uh, although I only release the movies that I like personally because why would I re- release shitty movies? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, hey, release Abo. It never got it never got a release. <clears throat> if you want a 50 copies release, uh, I'd be happy to do it. Let's do it. <laughs> get it get it out there. Um that's awesome. So uh, a, a couple other things I wanted to know. Um, I want to know a little bit more about Swedish filmmaking. Uh, if you, I don't know if you listened to Karin's podcast a few back. She's Norwegian. Um, oh, yeah. And, uh, and she was like, they're constantly talking about like, we've got to catch up to the Danes. We got to catch up to the Swedes. Does that ring true for you at all? No, uh, not at all. Uh, we only have uh, the Millennium Trilogy and... Uh, let the right one in. <laughs> yeah, let, let, we, let the right one in really put you guys on the map, though. I mean, that that is a tremendous movie. I still haven't seen it. Uh, I don't think I will because it's too popular. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but really, uh, at least in the horror community, we say always say that, oh, we have to catch up to the Norwegians uh, because they have uh, Fritt Bildt, uh, Trolljägeren, uh, like a lot of movies yeah. that became popular and uh well we still don't really have that much to show mm. you you feel like they have a like a a little bit of a bigger library yeah i do but i do think that the danes are way way above us all thanks to lars von trier probably <laughs> yeah right that, that, that's the one thing that we can all agree is like <laughs> lars von trier has taken the danes all the way to the top yeah um <clears throat> so what about uh, you probably also listened to the uh the one where i spoke with stefan from sydney um, oh yeah, and he was he was really disillusioned and angry um, about the state of Australian film bec- because of the fact that like I, I think I've said this before one of the things that was the most fun for me when I went out there was the film students were like wait a minute you just took two thousand dollars and made a movie you just took your friends if a camera and just made a movie like we can't do that here we you know we can't we couldn't even get it screened unless we got it you know checked out by. Um, by screen Australia. Um, and whereas in the States, when I try to present that movie, they're like, this isn't a real movie. This is too cheap, you know? Um, so it was a very, two very different, uh, reactions. And I'm wondering, you know, is, are you able to engage in independent film really easily or is there any kind of, you know, obstacle? We're more like America in that sense. We can do whatever we want and, Sure, if we're going to do official screenings, it might require uh, a bit more. At least it did a couple of years ago. I'm not sure how it is now. But anyone can make stuff. But the problem is that not enough people do it. Uh, and those who do are bad at it, yeah. <laughs> sadly. Uh, but our problem is that it's a small country. We don't have a lot of distributors and festivals. So like, if we are going to get a good release of a Swedish movie, it's going to be those that are... Like just above the really independent stuff, but probably below. Let the right one in. Yeah. Um, what 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 move, what kinds of films are popular that come out that come out of Sweden? Oh, we have a lot of detective uh, drama thrillers like uh, Beck and Valander. It's just really shitty stuff. Well, if you like it, maybe it's good, but I can't really watch it. That's probably the biggest stuff we go through but we also have stupid comedies and it's all the kind of movies you usually see yeah although relatively few horror movies uh, Mm. come out well in in my like most most scandinavian folks i've met or at least like young men um love the shit out of horror movies like that, that that seems to be a really popular thing amongst maybe underground film watchers um and i know that's the case everywhere but it seems specifically uh, the Scandinavian countries. Yeah, Sweden is, I mean, there are a lot of horror movie fans. Most people like horror to some degree. And, uh, like the fans are way more than the movies. So, um, there's definitely a big base of uh, horror movie fans and underground, uh, interest. 
and we're pretty good at you know finding it because we're not like uh, well I'm not gonna be racist or anything to say stupid stuff about other countries but we're we're pretty we're not uh, like the black people far along in like the techno- technical stuff and uh, like contacts and we're pretty good at English so we have a way to to get across the world, I suppose. Oh wow! I never even thought of that. Yeah, there you have that kind of that um, uh, language bridge that maybe not every country has. Yeah, I mean, we have to uh, take English all through school, yeah. so uh, most people nowadays should know English. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Everybody I've met from that that area speaks it very well too. Um, do you do you do you speak it commonly? No. Uh, I was talking to my friend earlier, and I, actually, me and my girlfriend talk English to each other sometimes when we're being stupid. And uh, if people heard us, they were going to be so awkward and hate us forever. But you know, <laughs> I I think in English. I write in English. Most things I do uh, in regards to film is in English. Uh, some of my scripts have been in English, so it's definitely a big part of me. My wife and I speak English when we're being stupid to each other too, but we also yes, we don't speak so any we don't speak anything else. Um, <laughs> this was uh, this was awesome when when I uh, when you first reviewed my film and started listening to the pod, I uh, I was like, well, why don't you come on? You sound you sound like you got a story to tell, and you were like, no, 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 I'm an inexperienced lamb. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm yeah. best I'm best left to, to the pen, um, and and then you finally I think after listening to a few, you were like, yeah, I have a thing or two to say. You certainly do. This was awesome. Um, I yeah, love I, I love everything you're after. Um, I, I I love the multifacetedness of it. The it, there's a real positivity to it that's that's not um, self centered, and and I think it's so easy for us to to get wrapped up in our own worlds um, and not kind of look outside of that and try to give other people opportunities, um, <clears throat> especially young people. You know. Yeah. Well, I mean, for for me, I think that you know. The review the review site has uh, controlled uh, or uh, helped my filmmaking a lot uh, by watching a lot of weird movies. I've also uh, like got many ideas, so I wouldn't be anywhere if I didn't start liking movies first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's such an obvious statement, and yet something I think it's really easy to lose sight of. Um, yeah. <clears throat> Ronnie Carlson, ladies and gentlemen, um, if they want, to, if they have a movie and they want to get it reviewed or maybe even released, uh, what should they do? Uh, go to filmbizarro.com and just contact me. Uh, you can just, yeah, that's all you need to do, really. If it's, we, we review most movies we get. There are sometimes we, either we don't want to be too mean for a movie. We might tell them, like, do you really want us to review it? But usually we, we take a look at everything we get. And uh, as for releasing, if it's not on DVD anywhere and you want a really small, limited run and only get a very, very low uh, cash inflow from it then yeah i'll take a look at it yeah and um you take online screeners and dvd screeners yeah oh yeah definitely we have to do that now because uh, like this year i think almost like 70 80 percent of the movies have been online screeners yeah well thanks again um maybe down the road uh, as things grow we'll do a part two and um <clears throat> i'm certainly going to keep in touch with you and i'm yeah <clears throat> i'm so glad to have met you yeah, thank you. It's been really fun to be here. I've never done like an interview or anything, so I was pretty nervous before this. <laughs> you were you were excellent. You you were you were really worried about stumbling on words and stuff, and you're you're like nice and smooth. I really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. I usually stumble upon words even in Swedish. So <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter what language. I'm stumbling. Yeah. All right, man. Take care, and we'll talk soon. Yeah, you too. Bye. Bye, bye.